welcome to the Brick and Mortar Detroit podcast, where we discuss business, real estate, lifestyle, and travel. I'm your host, Eric Andrews, founder and owner of Brick and Mortar Detroit Real Estate Brokerage. I started this podcast for boots on the ground insights from not just one, but as many industry professionals that I could find. Today's guest is Chris Thomas with Iris Mortgage. Hey, Chris, welcome. Thank you for coming to the Brick and Mortar Detroit podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Eric, one, thanks for having me and thanks for having the platform of this uh, podcast. I think it's cool to bring a hyper local look at real estate and what's going on in the industry. Um, Again, I'm Chris Thomas with Iris Mortgage. I've been a loan officer for six years. And in the last year, my wife and I have worked to start our own mortgage brokerage called Iris Mortgage, which is the Michigan State wildflower. So subtle little nod to Michigan there. And she's the 100% owner and operator. So um, we believe in empowering women in real estate, women that are buying homes in all areas of finances. We believe there should be a platform, a voice for them. And um, I'm happy to be here on this podcast to further that mission. Great, great. That's beautiful. I like what you guys are doing. I didn't know that about the state flower. So learn something new every day, right? <laughs> That's why we're here. That's exactly why we're here. And so, so how did you get into mortgages? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, got you. So I was, I got a degree from Michigan State in biology, and I really wanted to be a teacher, but it was taking a little bit too long, where I just wanted to enter the workforce, mm-hmm. seeing all my peers advancing their careers. So I got a job in metal fabrication off I-75 at a wonderful little father and son company. And then um, my now wife, Catherine, was working as a mortgage processor at a mortgage brokerage out in West Bloomfield. And I saw it taking off. I saw the numbers and I decided I needed to make a change and kind of step into a, a career. And now, six years later, we're owning our own brokerage, which is an extreme blessing and privilege. Absolutely. So it doesn't sound like there are any regrets from leaving and going on to your own, uh, your own ownership? No, not at all. But yeah, you always think back and it, it's like the scariest decision in your life because you're leaving a comfortable salary, mm-hmm. you know, versus going commission only. It's, it's a little bit terrifying, but if you believe in yourself and kind of take that leap of faith and furthermore, go all in and put in the work, Mm. you know, you're probably going to find success. No, I I totally agree. I remember when I was going to pull the trigger and I was going to leave my job and it it is, it's terrifying. And it's every, even afterwards, it's still terrifying, especially if you run out of money and you have to kind of like figure it out for a while. So I definitely commend you on doing that. And so, so far, what would you say, what's your day-to-day like in the mortgage industry? Um, so my day-to-day like and what I like about being at Iris Mortgage, you know, working with a small company is, and, and being your own business owner, right, is that you kind of decide your own schedule, but that could be dangerous as well, because you want to make sure that you're doing the right things and you're generating business. So the way I structure my day is like this. Look, when I wake up, I have family time with my son, which is extremely important to me. Morning routine, feed them breakfast, have a couple laps, get to play together. And then I hit my emails and I think of it as winning. What's important now, right? Mm-hmm. So I take care of those urgent matters, those last conditions to get a file clear to close. Anything that's hot, urgent that, you know, came up in the last couple hours, right? Mm-hmm. Then you get into RGA, revenue generating activity. So I spent a last, at least a couple hours making phone calls, picking up the phone, having real estate conversations to advance my business and generate revenue, right? Because as a commission, 100% commission business employee, you know, we have to be generating revenue and thinking about business. Hit a quick lunch. Then my afternoon looks like follow-ups, appointments, podcasts with you, maybe a quick social media post or a reflection on my day. Then wrap up my day with a family dinner, bed and bath routine. I set boundaries, 6.45 to 7.30 is off limits. That's my time to wrap up my day with my son. And then after that in the late evening, I try to be on 24 seven for people, you know, with with some personal boundaries and limitations, but you know, on one night of the week, I might be playing hockey in St. Clair Shores, soccer at the Detroit City Fieldhouse. 
trying to go to a real estate related event to network, meet people, show face. Mm. So that's kind of how my day-to-day is structured. Gotcha. Would you say that the pandemic kind of affected your ability to do that when it first started, or were you still able to navigate a lot of your um, structural things or the activities as far as um, like hockey or soccer or going to networking events? Um, I've, I've stuck with mostly the same structure that I had before. Um, you know, when we were first in quarantine, we were, Catherine and I working back to back for our previous brokerage from home doing loan start to finish, finding a lot of success. So that actually instilled a lot of confidence in us to do our own thing because we knew we could do it front to back. We knew the process. As far as the extras, um, I was still able to do that. Um, one of the main benefits too is dropping off a 45 to hour commute to Troy or West Bloomfield. Having those extra two hours back in your day mm-hmm. to generate revenue kick it and relax if you need to. Or if something comes up where you got to hit Lowe's or Home Depot to fix something up, like I have a little bit, just that much more time in my schedule. Those two hours a day is a big deal. You're absolutely right. I um, I used to have to travel to Northville and it was easily about a half hour to hour there because of traffic. And then it was usually about the same back, but when I would leave around six and I would hit traffic and I would easily could easily be in a traffic sometimes for two two and a half hours and you're right so that's like four almost five hours out of my day that I picked back up just from being able to not have to have that commute so ever since you started you know on your own would you say that you're working more hours than you were as someone that was more so a w-2 employee I'm gonna say similar hours and they're just they're better spent they're well spent you know Mm -hmm. My daily before we had, I was licensed in California previous. I gave up kind of one of the cons is I gave up 20 state licenses just to focus on Michigan because you have to get them individually approved. But working in California, our normal day, we would start at 10. You know, I'd leave the house at nine, be ready to go at 10, make my phone calls. And then I would leave at eight o'clock every night. So I would miss the rush hour almost intentionally, but They were uh, long hours, but it taught me a lot about work ethic and setting a great like foundation for what I'm doing right now, because, you know, motivation only lasts so long. It's about your discipline and your daily habits, right? That's going to make you successful. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think that you have to be doing something that you enjoy doing or want to do in order to continue long, longevity wise to continue doing that. Because eventually most things, if you do them every day, all day, they just get boring. They get old and, you know, it has to be something that you're truly passionate about. So I totally agree with that. And so how's the mortgage industry right now? Like, how's it feel to you? Does it feel busy? Does it feel different now that COVID is a part of, you know, the equation or is it pretty normal? So my major kind of like takeaways right now on the market um, would be that a lot of people have a lot of equity right now. Homes are in high demand at high value. So if you're lucky enough, privileged enough to be a homeowner right now, you're probably sitting on some equity in your home. Now, what you choose to do with that equity, you know, equity doesn't really matter unless you sell or refinance or use it, right? So a lot of my clients right now are doing cash out refinances to consolidate all their debt, make home improvements, Mm. pulling out cash to buy an investment property or second home. Um, So that's kind of what people are doing. Not as much rate and term refinances right now because um, the interest rates are up a little bit. Other thing people do, when you have a lot of equity, you can drop that mortgage insurance and save yourself some money, which is nicer. Get out of that FHA loan into a conventional loan Mm -hmm. to drop that mortgage insurance. Um, As you know as well, uh, homes being in demand, uh, purchases are, it's a little bit harder to get an offer accepted. So I find myself spending a lot of time like laser focused on my purchase business, like dialed in, like. I'm calling that listing agent. I'm making sure they're comfortable working with my company that they haven't heard of. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, establishing that groundwork of this is what you're going to expect as a listing agent from me. And what I want to do is I want to fulfill every single expectation so that I can earn their business in the future Mm -hmm. and grow my business. Mm -hmm. That's very good. That's very nice. I think communication is, is key. 
in real estate, I think that more often than not, people just kind of assume about the next person and no two deals are alike because no two people are alike. And so it's very nice when you have someone that contacts you just to let you know, hey, I'm here. This is kind of how the process goes. This is what I'll be doing. If you need me, these are my hours, you know, or this is the quickest way to reach me, whatever it may be, just like building that rapport with everyone in the um, in the actual deal is probably the best way to kind of keep things um, moving pretty seamlessly to the best of your ability. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Communication is key. And I also agree, you know, a little bit, every, every deal is different. And that's why you and I might enjoy our jobs a lot, because there's always that little nuance that might come up or we didn't see coming or it's how you handle it, how you communicate. And it's okay to reset expectations, right? Nothing goes 100% smooth, let's face it. As much as we'd love to say that and show our reviews that it did, you know, things happen. So how you deal with them, share that bad news right away. Exactly. Faster than the good news. Exactly. No, you're right. Nothing almost ever goes accordingly. Like, you know, it's just, we're just going to be honest about how real estate goes. But like you said, dealing with people who know how to handle that, who know how to communicate, who know how to get on top of it. And like you said, a lot of, some people will, they'll hoard the information and they won't tell you, or they'll try to like figure it out on their own. But like everybody needs to know as soon as possible so that you can all start coming up with solutions, reaching out for resources, contacts, and just, you know, reconciling the problem together as a unit rather than um, trying to keep it a secret. So that's awesome. Now, what are your thoughts about the economy right now, just with everything going on in the world, as far as maybe the war, the pandemic, um, interest rates, everything like that? Any any thoughts? Well, yeah, we did have the recent Fed meeting where they are um, promising to about six times this year increase interest rates. But that applies to consumer items like car loans, credit cards. So it doesn't exactly affect mortgage interest rates, but it kind of does at the same time because we're experiencing inflation. So a lot of the interest rates are going to be higher. It's been predicted. We are all waiting for it to happen. It definitely happened. Mm. I looked up on Bankrate today that the average 30-year fixed is a 4.55 interest rate. Mm. But you also got to consider a lot goes into an interest rate, your FICO score amount of down payment you're putting down, you know, a higher down payment is less risk. So you're going to get a more favorable, maybe interest rate or cost that. Um, but even though interest rates are trending upward, um, I stay confident in my business knowing that I started this with a long-term mindset. That's why, I, that's why I'm taking the hard road of building this from scratch, doing it on my own. Mm -hmm. And I also know that when my clients shop around, which I encourage them to shop around because I don't make the mortgage payment, they make the mortgage payment, right? I want them to be completely happy. I always want to take the high road. Mm -hmm. But when my clients do shop around their mortgage, they find me to be the best price because I have a very small amount of overhead I'm carrying. I'm working out of the home, not a fancy office. Mm -hmm. I drive a paid off car. I don't drive the I don't drive the 2022 rain. <laughs> you know, I would love to at times. I'd love yeah. the image. I'd love the flex. Yeah. But I just keep it really simple, really straightforward with my clients so that they know that they're in the best hands. Mm. Mm. That's great. That is great. Um, keeping overhead low, driving cars that you own, you know, not making a lot of expenses. That's, that's how I prefer to live. So I think that's a really good idea. And so say, for instance, okay, so I'm a new buyer and i'm interested in a loan and i'm asking about interest rates and i don't quite understand them how would you explain that to me okay if you don't exactly uh, so i kind of start off my applications and my discussions with kind of doing the math first okay what's your purchase price that you're aiming for in what neighborhood do you want to live in you know East English Village, Harper Woods, Grosse Point Park, um, Rochester, anywhere in Michigan. You pick it, I'm gonna help you figure out how to structure a loan that makes sense for you with your credit score, with the amount of money you have for a down payment, whether you're gonna do FHA, VA, or conventional. So a lot goes into structuring the loan, making sure that the number one goal is to close the loan, right? So we gotta put, the, we gotta put a plan together 
and stick with that plan, but I also educate the client on that plan. This is why we're going to do it this way. Mm. You know, there's in this market, you might need an appraisal guarantee of $10,000, right? Mm. So instead of putting 10% down, why don't we put 3% down and save that extra 7% for that appraisal gap? So we can offer that appraisal gap. So it's about structuring a deal appropriately. But um, as far as interest rate, it's mostly depending on your down payment, uh, your FICO score, which is super important, uh, and kind of whether you're doing a conventional or FHA loan or VA, kind of your, mm-hmm. your loan type. Mm-hmm. And then also whether, you know, 15-year interest rate is going to be a little bit lower than a 30 if you can uh, afford to do that, or if it makes good financial sense to do that. Hmm. Got it. Got it. Now, you may not know this or not, but it just popped in my head. How do you think most lenders feel about, because again, it's a competitive market. People are waiving appraisal guarantees and things of that nature. Is that something that a lot of lenders are frowning upon, or does it depend upon which lender or what type of loan product you're using to be able to even do that? Any thoughts on that? Sorry, could you could you actually repeat the question? Because I'm yeah. getting a phone call constantly. Oh, oh no problem. Sorry about that. Um, so I'm I was just saying, like, since it's so, uh, so competitive, a lot of buyers are trying to waive the appraisal guarantee or waive the appraisal. How do lenders feel about that? Do you know, or is there a type of loan product or um, only a certain or specific time that a person could use that? Does that make sense? Yeah, so as far as um, an appraisal gap or appraisal guarantee or whatever you want to call it, basically everybody's off asking for the highest and best offer, right? So if your homes, if you're looking at something for 400, it's going for 420. Um, you know, the listing agent wants to make sure that if that home doesn't appraise for 420, that we're going to find a way to make it work, right? So if it appraises at 400 and the purchase price is 420, you've got to come up with the 20,000. Mm-hmm. Now, like I mentioned before, you could structure in modifying what your original plan was. Maybe you're planning to put 20%, 10% down, but you could restructure that loan a little bit if the debt to income ratio is right and you could come up with that money for the gap. But you know, no lender's gonna, no lender's gonna lend money above the appraised value of the property. So listing agent's probably going to prefer cash buyer, somebody with a heavily weighted down payment that has that plan B and C if if, uh, something doesn't go the right way. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that was always my wonder is like, how many lenders are really going for this? So you're saying that you really probably need to have some cash on hand or, you know, well, say for instance, you have the cash on hand to be able to do it. Uh, but you're still taking a loan, um, is that a possibility then? Or do you have to basically be paying all cash normally? Or does it just kind of depend? You can, you can like mix and match. So back to our example, you know, if you put uh, three, if you work buying a house for 400 and it, or 420 and, and the appraisal payment at 400, lender's only going to lend you 400,000. Mm-hmm. So your down payment is that 3%, which is... Um, $12,000, right? Yep. And then you have to come up with that 20. So that's 32 plus closing costs, which fluctuate between two and 5% of the loan amount. Got it. So you just, from day one, when you're making those offers, that's part of our consultation. And that's part of working very closely with a real estate agent who's responsive and lender that's responsive, being all on the same page of, hey, we're making this offer. Can we do it with this appraisal yet? Can we structure it? x y and z to get this done you don't want to commit yourself to a contract that you're not going to fulfill that's just not going to be good not going to be good for your earnest money deposit not going to be good for relationships with people from my perspective if i start something i don't finish are you going to use me again probably not (laughs) no probably not (laughs) not at all so okay You've been in this prior to COVID, right? You've been you've been doing this for about six years, you said? Yeah, 2016. So I my benchmark is around the election of 2016 is when I got into the industry. Got it, got it. And how much have you, would you say that COVID's kind of changed the industry? Or at least for you? 
for me, I mean, for me, it was almost a blessing in disguise because COVID get, you know, led to working from home with led to, which led to confidence of, oh, I can hold myself responsible to working just as hard from home. And my wife and I, through origination and processing skills, can do this front mm -hmm. to back. So it's been a blessing for me. As far as like market and outlook, I found, found that, um, you know, COVID and quarantine has affected the market. But, you know, it might have been something that was already in the works because I know we're behind on building homes, right? And inventory, yeah. like we're way behind. Yeah. Um, so I think people are, you know, with the demand, that's definitely been a factor, demand for homes. Yeah. I think that's accelerated through, uh, through COVID. And then uh, the amount of equity people has, has skyrocketed, rents are increasing, you know, so. Yeah, so has the seller's market impacted business aside from COVID? 100%. 100% because, you know, I'm 31 years old. A lot of my peer group that's buying house is a similar age, right? Mm -hmm. We don't really have the cash for paying in cash. We don't really have the 20% right. unless we're leaning on our parents, you know, which would be a huge blessing, right? Yes. Um, so we're, we're submitting these offers with three to 5% down, mm -hmm. sometimes even needing concessions. It's very hard to ask for concessions right now. Yeah. If if there's an appraisal gap, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of like that. But at the same time, I am still finding success by working with the right real estate agents to help negotiate, working, you know, with a lender that it is fairly priced. So you can also get some lender credits to help you out. Mm -hmm. Um so there's some strategizing and again, those little extra things, talking to the listing agent saying, look, you know, I have a hundred percent closing ratio since I started this company. I'm not going to let you down. If you trust me to get this done, I'm going to set these expectations, execute on them. And we're going to have a smooth transaction, just like it's cash. You know, I was able to close a VA loan submission to clear to close in six business days, mm -hmm. which is unheard of. But yeah. when you truly work together as a team, as a unit, get all the get that appraisal title work home insurance all lined up from day one get that file through underwriting get it clear to close i mean va loans just as good as cash in six days right yeah definitely, definitely. just the parts we work with hmm. and so in lieu of um informing people who don't really know much as far as like lenders credits and points and things of that nature yeah, what type of things are you know do they have to pick from or you know anything that's advantageous that automatically pops in your brain when i ask you that okay well let's let's just take it back really quick to Please. what is what are what are discount points or what are percentage points right mm -hmm. so based on all the inputs right your credit score your down payment loan type and all that computer's going to generate through, I'm a broker, so I shop multiple different lenders. Gotcha. They're going to generate their own pricing sheet. Everyone's unique. So say like we mentioned on bank rate, the par interest rate, par meaning no cost, zero cost interest rate is a 4.55. So that means I'm not going to have any origination costs. When, when I'm paying at closing, I'm going to have my down payment, my appraisal, my title work, my home insurance, and my taxes. Those are all my closing costs my down payment, no origination fees, par rates 4.55. So what I do right now is I discuss with my clients, okay, this is where we're at. This is your baseline, cheapest we can do it. Mm -hmm. Now I can give you a higher interest rate at a 5% and I can give you some lender credit towards closing costs, a couple thousand dollars, or you can pick a lower interest rate at maybe a four, maybe a 3.8. It's mm -hmm. gonna cost you a little bit of money. So let's just say, a 4% cost one discount point, mm -hmm. which is 1% of the loan amount. So on a $400,000 loan, that's $4,000 due at closing for origination costs for that discount point. Mm -hmm. So I educate my client, you know, we're on a scale, interest rates are on a scale. You know, if you're staying in this house, you know, how, how long do you plan to stay in this house? What are your short and long-term goals? If you're gonna stay here long-term forever home, 
maybe we might consider buying down that interest rate. It will, it will break even after X amount of months or payments and you'll start winning, right? Mm. So it's about, it's not about, any, anybody could digitally spit out a number of interest rate, but can somebody educate you, inform you, make you feel confident and empowered yeah. to select the appropriate interest rate based on your short-term goals, long-term goals? Mm. That's why I think it's important to always play an advisor role to your clients, whether they go with you or not. Yes. Always be an advisor first. Yes. That, that means also, if I'm a good advisor, I'm not replaceable by technology. And I could probably guarantee that I will be replaced by technology <laughs> in five or 10 years. It's coming. More motivation to hustle hard right now, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I never thought that that might be a thing, but it is, you know, it's definitely coming. I, I don't see how we can get around it. And, you know, there are a lot of people that probably will still not, they'll want to use humans and use people like you and I and things of that nature, but it could get weird. It could get really interesting. So we shall right. see. <laughs> and so that's awesome. Awesome information. And I have a question. It's totally okay if you don't have an answer or don't want to answer the question. Um, but you said that you have a lot of people who are basically um, taking cash out refis and doing home improvements and things of that nature. Do you have any thoughts on that for people who are doing that with the intention of kind of upgrading their home and doing big ticket items that actually will give their home more value possible, possibly a little bit more equity? Right, for sure. So you can kind of look up what impact doing a kitchen remodel versus a bathroom remodel versus adding a pool versus adding square footage, how that's gonna affect your home value after you do the repairs. You're never gonna you're never gonna make a killing, you know, updating one bathroom because when that appraiser comes out, it's kind of worth it's based on that square footage, right? Bed, sure. bath and square footage. Still the same bathroom, it's cosmetically more appealing to seller more comfortable, you know, for you to live in. Mm. So just always keep in mind that always weigh the pros and cons when you're doing renovations, mm. do them in a smart way. If it's to add value to your house, I mean, maybe, maybe add square footage, you know, mm. if it's to just live more comfortably and have a nice aesthetically pleasing abode to live in, mm -hmm. do whatever you want. Mm. Just always consider, okay. And maybe work with a real estate agent with a CMA comparative market analysis, right? If mm -hmm. I do these improvements, what do you think my home's going to be worth? So just be level-headed. And there are renovation loans and programs where um, you can get the home renovated when you buy a home, or you can take them out for refinances. Um, so there's always options. Just be educated and informed on all options. You know, you don't want to you don't want to put too much work into your home. And then when you go to sell it, maybe you're underwater or you're just breaking even. Absolutely. Um, unless you're cool with that and you just want to have, <laughs> you know, gold toilets in your 500 square foot home. That's cool too. Gotcha. Now, what if they were to do things that were more structural, like a roof or windows or, you know, things that at some point you might get dinged on a driveway, dinged on by an appraiser or something like that. Still kind of the same advice or thoughts on that? Um, I would say similar advice, you know, just work hand in hand with your real estate agents, because at the end of the day, you're, you're looking at dollars and cents, right? A lot of, a lot of things we do, a lot of home buying we do actually is really emotional, right? Unless we're buying five, 10 properties or looking at a lot of investments, usually we just buy one home. It's more of an emotional investment for us, mm. but dollar and cents do come into play. So work hand in hand with a solid real estate agent that's representing your best interest you know, like somebody who's independent or somebody who's not, um, you know, caught up with a bunch of different things, work with that solid trusted real estate agent. And that gives you sound advice. Also keep in mind, if you're going to sell your house, you don't necessarily have to do those renovations, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you could just make up for it in purchase price, mm -hmm. you know, you know, should you do a hundred K kitchen to sell your house for $110,000 more? Or should you just take it at face value and let the buyers do the work to it? So different approaches for sure, right? Do you, do you have anything to speak on, on that one from the real estate end? Yeah, well, I was actually going to say, I, I kind of agree with you. So, you know, overall, first and foremost, anyone that you work with, 
in this industry, as far as like a realtor, a mortgage um, loan officer, appraiser, things, well, maybe not so much appraiser, but they tend to work for you and they should work in an advisory or like a consulting role. And I think a lot of people tend to feel very timid um, and in the process and they don't really ask questions or don't want to look like they don't know or whatever it may be. And I'm like, that's literally my job is because I've done this a million times and you haven't done this a million times. And so you consult with me. I do think that, you know, like you said, it's still a matter of dollars and cents and what you really want in the end and what you get. And I think once you consult with, you know, a mortgage loan officer or a realtor or whomever and kind of decide if this is worth your time doing, then like you said, the rest is just kind of up to you. I think doing structural items are always good. Um, just because you don't want your house to deteriorate and become a bigger problem for you later or a more expensive problem because you, you can move in a house and it can be good for a few years, but certain things start to go, or maybe your driveway shift, you know, the house starts shifting and you've got old pipes and you're starting to get leaks. It can start happening so fast that it's getting costly. Um, whereas if you would have maybe taken the time to fix those items on the front end, you might not be dealing with things that are constant problems because you know sometimes having the cash flow to deal with the constant issues versus big issues is can put you in a weird place financially especially if you didn't expect that so i i would say like you said get a cma from a realtor you know and kind of go through the process put the numbers down talk with whomever you know you're making these plans with and and take it from there to see what type of value these things may add i wouldn't recommend doing a cash out refine like buy a car or like buy a boat or anything like that but you know that's not my my place to really say but i don't think that that's usually a good use of that type of money so right and i want to wanted to add two things to what you just said too is you know lean on your realtor because they're connected you know whether you haven't used them in a while or whatever. They're connected to a lot of builders and local mm -hmm. people that do good work. You want to mm -hmm. work with somebody you trust. You want to get multiple quotes. You want to make sure you're in good hands with, when you work with. When you have a solid realtor that always has your best interest in mind, they're going to give you the best. They're going to advise you properly. The other thing that you know, both you and I know as a lender and real estate agent, when you buy that home, always get that home inspection. It's going to give you a beautiful list of all the things that <laughs> you need to fix immediately that you can sit on, you know, and, and just be aware of everything, right? Be educated. Education equals empowerment, right? You can make that best decision for you. Yes. If you're not aware of it, if you're not aware of the leak in the roof, and then five years go by and the roof collapses, you're going to be in way worse shape than if you got that home inspection, were aware of it, addressed it, you know. It's not fun to put a new roof on, right? No. It's not fun financially. No. I want to get that Benz instead. But, you know, you got to protect your investment, um, you know, versus a, a car is a depreciating investment. Real yes. estate's typically an appreciating investment. So treat it accordingly. Totally agree. Totally agree. I'd say overall, um, I never really regret when I'm investing, especially like in my house, right? I live there. I work there. You know, I do a lot of things at my house. It's my place of sanctitude or you know whatever you want to call it and so I don't have a problem sometimes doing things in my house but I'm not really into like buying shoes and buying things like that not because you know of the cliche that they're you know they're depreciating assets typically but I mean if you're at home a lot you don't really wear a lot of shoes and stuff like that so it's not really like a big deal for me so you know we all have our, our thoughts and things that we like to do, but you know, at the end of the day, like you said, a lot of people are having a hard time even getting into a home. So if you get one, when you get an inspection, it's not just something you tuck away. You can make a long list of things that you can do on your own, things that need to be done, prioritize them. And you have a working list of all of these things that you could slowly but surely be improving in your home. And they may not necessarily add value, but it might save you a headache later, you know? Um, so that's how I feel about the inspection for sure. You, I would never buy a house without inspection. I don't even care if the house is a dollar. I just, I would still have an inspection because, you know, it could easily be something that's $500 that needs to be repaired in the house. And now you're starting to kind of go the other way for no real reason. And maybe yeah, you bought the house. If you see that house listed for a dollar, just, you know, <laughs> especially about Detroit ones, you know, look out for the back taxes, right? The water, the back taxes. And, and I know that because I, I bought a house from the Detroit Land Bank and, oh. you know, there was that face value, that winning auction bid, which I was pumped about. 
but let's not forget about, you know, maybe the tax obligations or there's that inspection sheet. It's, there's a lot of work that goes into stuff like this. So oh, yeah, yeah, just be, be cognizant and be aware and work with the right people that have your back for sure. Exactly. You can have the water bills, you know, that are backwater. You can have back taxes. You could need to file quiet title. There could be things that haven't been recorded. There could be a list pendants with the city. There's a lot of things. And if you don't know how to do the research properly, then you kind of get stuck with that. And a lot of people lose their house because of that. And it gets right back on the tax market or, you know, the, right back to the Detroit land bank. So, uh, you, yeah, definitely do your research on everything. So overall, I would, I'm wondering, what's, what do you think is the hardest part of your job? Your, um, yeah. The hardest part of my job is, I, I think in the, maybe, I can't speak for all sales, but I would oh, say, in, especially in real estate, mm -hmm. it, there's a lot of delayed gratifications. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you have to put in the work, not, mm -hmm. not just one time. You don't do a podcast just one time mm -hmm. and expect everybody to listen to it. You have mm -hmm. to put in a consistent, sustained effort to be successful in the sphere. It probably goes for a lot of things in life, but you know, when a, when you pre-approve somebody and they're shopping for 60 days and they're asking you questions, you're answering them, you're fielding them, you're trying to guide them in the right direction, you got to just stick with it. That offer's accepted 30, 45 days. So, you know, sometimes you're working with a client for a couple months, maybe even a couple years, but there is nothing more gratifying then when you're at that closing table and they're envisioning their new house and they're telling you what they're going to do mm -hmm. and you were a part of that, that kind of historical milestone for them, which will never be taken away from you. Your name's on the documents. Mm -hmm. You, you did like, that's, that's why it's all worth it. So there's a lot of delayed kind of gratification in this industry and Good things come to those who wait if you're patient, if you have a plan and you work hard every day. So being consistent doesn't mean don't take a vacation. You don't have to be the hardo who says I'm 24 seven. You know, I've learned that a lot because I've been 24 seven. I still say that I am. I, I truly believe that I am, mm -hmm. but I do let people know, Hey, I have a hard stop for bad time. It's one of my favorite parts of the day. You know, yeah, heck yeah. I have to be a father. I have to be a husband. And those are extremely important to me. So um, other thing I would say, hardest part for me personally is branding, right? Um, you know, we're a small company. Nobody's heard of Iris Mortgage. Mm -hmm. What do we do different? Mm -hmm. You know, different first, better second is something that I've heard. And I've kind of ingrained is what am I doing differently? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and why am I better than the next person? So something I contemplate and just, you know, some hard things are just like branding. You know, I don't have all the marketing. I don't have the budget to buy a lot of sandwiches at open houses <laughs> or, you know, things yeah, like that. Like, absolutely. I'm just about the work. I'm just about that extra overhead is money. I truly could have charged you, but instead I'm giving it back to you in the form of lower interest rates, lower costs, you know, keeping things fair. I want to see you win. And if I'm fair price and I do a great job, I'm going to have a lot more success than overcharging, you know, to buy the sandwiches or make myself look good. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. And I will say that, you know, I think a lot of us as small business owners have this exact same problem. It's at the end of the day, nobody knows you exist other than the few people who do know you exist. But um, word of mouth is really one of the biggest ways that people like us make our money and if you are doing good work especially in a market like this then people will refer you like oh he got me a really good deal or you know he really didn't make me feel like I was an idiot or he, I was taking too long or didn't try to pressure me they don't forget that like you said especially when they associate that feeling with the feeling of getting a new home and feeling like especially if they're living with their parents or someone somewhere where they're not completely comfortable ready to decorate it and have like a whole identity that they are going to put into this house they refer you all the time you know so that definitely will recommend you I'm going to add you to my um, mortgage list um, and things like that but I can just tell, I can tell that you're passionate about being, doing a good job, which I kind of find that hard to find these days. You know, a lot of people are, they're just about the numbers. Or yeah, the you want to post, 
Yeah, you want to post your units and volume. You know, yeah. it's not really about that. It's about like as cheesy as it sounds, relationships, not transactions. Or you know, I have a long term mindset. I didn't get in this industry mm. to make a quick buck. Mm. You know, with a refinance wave or this or that. I'm here. You know, six years after the industry, I'm looking at my next five, my next ten. Okay, what's going to serve my family, my business best? Creating solid relationships, doing the right thing every single time, even if it's a hard thing, Mm -hmm. and building those relationships that, you know, there's a lot of trust. People know, like, and trust you. They're going to work with you. Yes. And it's it's not to be fake. You know, I don't want to earn fake trust. I don't want, I don't care about how many followers I have. Nobody cares how many units and volume I close. They care about protecting their investment, making a good investment, being educated and informed and proceeding and having a successful stress beat transaction. Yeah. If, I do all, if I do my job right and I educate you up front, there's not a lot of questions during the process. I'm just babysitting the title work coming back, the appraisal coming back. Make sure you get a home insurance policy on your house. Mm. It could be that easy if mm. I do my job right. Exactly. And it's like you said, I'm, I'm very similar. I almost probably to a fault. I'm a longevity person. Most of my investments are almost always long-term investments. I'm, you know, and to the point where sometimes I'm like, I haven't made enough short-term investments, but I know that if I keep at it, you know, that it will be worth my time. And every day we are inching closer to the time frame of these long-term investments actually flourishing and being what we intended them to be. And I think that too many of us, especially these days, people our age, millennials, whatever you may want to call it, are constantly worried about the instant gratification. And like you said, you can't start a podcast and everybody's just listening to it off the bat, unless you're probably already a celebrity or already have some type of following or some niche or something like that. And it is hard to build a business or anything like that. And just Every day when people aren't seeing it, go through the hardship, be consistent, show up every time, all the time. I could, I mean, I can see why people burn out. I can see why they teeter out because it's not really fun, honestly, sometimes, but you know why you're doing it. And that is that thing that just keeps pulling you forward in your business and doing a good job with people as well and making them feel like they, um, that you cared about them, that they matter, you know? And so as long as that becomes your priority, it's not really hard to kind of build a good business. For sure, hundred percent agree. I think I think we align on that, you know, totally. totally. So, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's everything that we needed to go through, correct? Oh yeah. So, do you have a story, crazy story, embarrassing oh, story? Yeah. How many do you want? How much time do we have? You tell me. <laughs> Whatever you're uh, comfortable. Okay. Look, craziest story is this: I bought a house from Detroit Land Bank in East English Village. I have a very common name, Christopher Thomas, right? That's why I didn't do Thomas Mortgage, right? Gotcha. There's too many search results. We had to do Iris, something gotcha. unique. Gotcha. You know? So look, I am getting a haircut at Detroit Barber Co. Um, mm-hmm. altar in Kirchival, like Gross Point Park. Mm-hmm. My neighbor was a God bless her, amazing neighbor. Mm-hmm. She calls me and and she says, Hey, somebody's breaking into your house. I said, What? She's like, yeah, they got a white car, you know, Toyota, whatever. I say, I'm like, okay. I drive very slowly in the Gross Point residential areas on Mac <laughs> Avenue. You, you know the drill. Uh-huh. Once I hit Casio, Detroit side, 60 miles per hour, floor it, gun it, pull up behind the car to trap them in so they at least have to leave their car. Uh-huh. I don't care about my car. It's seven years old. If they ding it up, I have insurance, whatever. Block them in, go to my neighbors, because I don't know who's breaking into my house, what's going on. So get in there. I see it's a young woman. My my uh, neighbor showed me the video and everything of it happening. I was like, wow, I actually got evidence. Called Detroit police. Um, you know, I felt confident confronting the woman. And she said she's a real estate agent. I, she said, her, I called the police. She said the Detroit police aren't coming. They did come very quickly. Thank you for, <laughs> right. thank you for the police officers out there, like working hard. And, you know, I feel like Detroit police officers might get a bad reputation, but they were there for me. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but her story was this. She was calling Christopher Thomas's, seeing who owned this house 
And a different Christopher Thomas, or pretending to be me, said, if you break into the house and get the squatters out and change the locks, I'll let you have this listing and sell the house. Wow. So I confront her. I tell her, look, here's my business card. I'm Christopher Thomas. In what world do you think it's acceptable as a real estate agent to break into a house? If you had to do it, you'd probably have somebody else do it for you, <laughs> like a locksmith professionally and bill your client or whatever. But just it's so inappropriate. Absolutely. <laughs> like only in Detroit, right? Yeah, probably. Or somewhere but, weird, like New York. Yeah, or something. But it's like, what are you thinking? You know, like, I mean, do you even believe that story? I mean, you probably do, but well, I'm a Detroit real estate agent, so yes, actually, I. But so, how did it end? Did you just kind of like just? So look, I was, I was really upset, but look, I'm trying to build a business from the ground up, live a balanced life, being a father, you know, have fun, have balance, and do my thing, right? This is the last thing I need. You, (laughs) she busted in both doors and a window. You know, let's just say two grand or less of damage. That's not really enough to go to court or over or fuss over too much. You know, I did. I do feel personally this person should lose their real estate license because just so inappropriate sure. um, and unprofessional. But like, you know, I I tried to file a police report. They wanted a bill for the damages or a quote. Mm. Um, the managing broker actually did the right thing, and I was really grateful for that. He called out reach out to me. He did all the repairs and stuff. Okay. And I never, I never pursued any of the charges, but the one thing that I can't get back is, you know, the time lost, the headache and just, it's just sad, you know, like I, I feel bad for that person that they might need a deal so badly, or they might've got tricked or whatever the story is. Yeah. I just feel bad. Like I come from a, you know, maybe a different perspective of, of like, man, I just feel bad for you that you had to do that, you know, but I'm, you know, I'm just trying to like, I'm, believe me, I was pissed and, um, you know, I, I wanted to press charges or get a license taken away or whatever. Still believe it shouldn't be there, but, um, end of the day, I was made whole and, um, I'm just going to move on for it and just focus on my own stuff I got going on. Uh, that was that's up there in my stories because I've had quite a few people on and that right. one it's pretty crazy. I'll send you and only you the video okay. of everything and the confrontation just so you can fact check it's a real story. But oh, I believe um, I'm gonna try and protect everybody's uh, yeah, privacy please. as well. Please, uh, but I'll give you a sneak peek. <laughs> please, please, yes. So okay, good, good. So we have a word from our sponsors. Is worker real estate getting you down? Are you feeling burned out or depressed? Well, there's a solution you can use right from the comfort and privacy of your own home computer. Center for Establishing Recovery is Metro Detroit's leading provider for e-therapy. If you're in need of a listening ear, contact Center for Establishing Recovery at establishingrecovery.com. If you have a question or topic you're interested in having us discuss or are interested in coming on as a guest, advertising, real estate services, or sponsoring an episode, go to brickandmortardetroit.com slash podcast. Chris, is there anything you'd like to share or promote before we end? Um, no, I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on your show. I mean, I'm, I'm not one to self-promote, you know, of course, this is a commission-based industry. I love what I do. I believe I do a great job of what I do. You can get a mortgage from a bank, direct lender, credit union or a mortgage broker my one piece of advice is just shop around work with somebody you enjoy work with work with somebody who answers the phone treats you with respect you know aligns with your goals that's my ask it doesn't matter if it's me or not i want you to win at the end of the day this is a seven trillion dollar industry there's enough out there for everybody i'll be fine if you don't work with me but if you need anything have any questions or need some need some sound unbiased advice i'm here for you and i want to see you win um you can follow me at christhomas.mortgage on instagram you can check out our website irismortgage.com um you can text me call me email me i try to be available on every platform 
So whatever terms you're comfortable with, you can contact me on to get your answer. Beautiful, beautiful. And I would, I def actually want to say on a private note, I definitely love what you're doing about bath time and making sure that you're making time for your son because he's never going to forget that. You know, my dad was kind of like that and I, I just never forgot it and it's been instilled in me. And no matter how much work you're doing, there's always time to like, you know, make time for your family or have dinner time. And it's, it's just healthy to set those boundaries where you're making some time for yourself. So I think that that's a beautiful thing as well. 100%. And I, you know, there were the times of being a young hustler where you don't have the family yet. And that's exactly. a great time to be grinding. It is. And a great time to stay to the office at midnight and build that base. <laughs> like I said before, it's an absolute privilege and blessing that I'm able to be in control of my own destiny. It's me and my wife working hard at creating this company, the culture, the grassroots, doing the right thing and building it up. That's an absolute blessing and privilege. I'm so thankful I get to spend time with my family and do what I love to do. So I feel like I'm in a great place. Absolutely, I totally agree, I totally agree. Well, that's it for today. You've been listening to the Brick and Mortar Detroit podcast where we discuss business, real estate, lifestyle, and travel. I'm your host, Eric Andrews, founder and owner of Brick and Mortar Detroit Real Estate Brokerage, I started this podcast for boots on the ground insights from not just one, but as many industry professionals that I could find. As always, don't just dream, build your dream. Follow us on Instagram at brick and mortar D-E-T. For everything else, brickandmortardetroit.com slash podcast. Brick and Mortar Detroit podcasts and newsletters reflect the opinions of only the authors who are associated guests of podcasts and do not reflect the views of Brick and Mortar Detroit LLC or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. They are for informational purposes only and are not a recommendation of an investment strategy or to buy or sell any home, security, or asset in any market. They are also not research reports and are not intended to serve as the basis for any investment decision. Any third-party information provided therein does not reflect the views of Brick and Mortar Detroit LLC or any of their subsidiaries or affiliates. All investments involve risk, including the loss of money, principal, and past market performance does not guarantee future results. We always recommend you enlist a professional entity for any investment decision you may be considering.